Welcome to The Lawyerist Podcast, a series of discussions with entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. Lawyerist supports attorneys building client-centered and future-oriented small law firms through community, content, and coaching, both online and through The Lawyerist Lab. And now, from the team that brought you the Small Firm Roadmap and your podcast hosts. Hi, I'm Zach Glazer. And I'm Jennifer Wiggum. And this is episode 399 of the Lawyers Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, Stephanie talks with attorney and lab coach Ryan McKean and his two former law partners about breaking up with your law partner. Today's podcast is brought to you by Albatross Legal Workspaces, Pustali, and Posh Virtual Receptionists. We wouldn't be able to do this show without their support, so stay tuned and we'll tell you more about them later on. Zach, before we started this recording, you and I were talking about something, and I said to you, I think we should talk about this on air. So here we are. Do you remember what it was? It was like five minutes ago. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to quiz you. Um, I'm going to actually <laughs> ask you the question. The question is, we talked about how to our labsters, who are the lawyers in our coaching community, and to each other on the team, we often ask the question, what does help look like? When we mm -hmm. see someone's overwhelmed and they're busy or something's not getting done, we say, what does help look like? And it's a good question, but I don't know about you, but I sometimes find that overwhelming to answer because I don't know what help looks like. But I know you recently had a conversation with Ashley Steckler, your manager, mm -hmm. and had a little bit of a light bulb moment. Tell me about it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think of those as, as glass breaking, glass shattering moments where mm. your perspective shifts on something. Yeah. And the word help is a loaded word, I think, for, for a lot of people because it's, it's vulnerable. It is filled with this idea that I couldn't do this thing without help. Mm -hmm. And that's not really the case for help. You can think about it a lot of different ways. You can think about it as assistance. You know, you're carrying a couch and you need help on the other side. You literally wouldn't be able to, well, I mean, I don't know about everybody else, but I literally I wouldn't saying. be able to carry the couch without, you know, somebody else on the other side. That's one form of help. But the thing that unlocked for me was understanding that by asking for help with whatever it was, even if it was something I could do on my own, the help is the time that I get. It's the fact that somebody has freed me up to do something else that is hopefully a priority of mine. And a lot of times, me personally, I, I look at these tasks that I have and I think, well, I can do that. Well, yeah, sure. And other people on the team can do it as well. But in order for me to ask for help many times, I would have to think I can't do that. Oh, interesting. And so thinking about help in a, in a way of giving me time, well, I can't give myself time. Yeah. You're literally unable to give yourself more time unless you take something off your plate and give it to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And so the help isn't necessarily doing the task for me in the sense that I can't do it. Yeah. And I think that this speaks, well, this idea kind of speaks to lawyers a lot of times because we can do it. Can I do this intake portion at my office? Of course I can. Should I? I don't know. Can somebody else? Yes. And maybe help isn't the fact that you need somebody to do that and need their experience. You need the time. Yeah. I think that is so sage and wise to take a stigma out of help. I mean, not to say that sometimes you 
don't actually need help because you are right. drowning and you literally need someone to pull you out of the ocean. I don't know how to swim, but I assume people swim there. But <laughs> I assume people do pull people out of the yeah, ocean. Pull yeah, pull people out of the ocean. But but that you just need a weight lifted so you can focus not only on what your priority is, but what your skill set is. Mm-hmm. I mean, are you doing things that aren't even in your wheelhouse that are bringing you down because you have to have so much more mental energy put into them because it's not what comes most naturally to you and what you were hired for or what you started your firm for. This makes a lot of sense to me. I think right. it's the way I'm going to start talking to other people about it too. It definitely unlocked something in my brain yeah. because it really is like, do I need help? Yes. Yes, I do. Could I get <laughs> this done without somebody? Ultimately, no. I couldn't get these broad ideas done without somebody's help. Could I get this specific task done without somebody's help? Maybe. And so it's difficult to ask for help for that specific task. So how is it going to change how you work? How will you ask for this help? How will you get your time back? Like what are the the actual concrete things you're you're going to say to people or do? It's twofold for me. And I think that it probably exists very differently for for everybody, but twofold for me. One is thinking about saying no to things as asking people for help with my time. If someone says, hey, Zach, would you mind doing this? Or would you mind showing me how to do this? Being able to say, no, I can't. And not thinking of that as telling them that their thing doesn't have priority. Yeah, It's my way of asking them for help. Because I'm asking for time. Brilliant. That's a brilliant reframing. And the other is taking a step back and looking at my my week or my month or whatever and looking a little bit forward and being able to say, where can I get help from people Mm. that will give me time? That's amazing. That future planning. Good deal, Zach. If you ever need help slash more time for me, you know where to find me. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Yeah, just throw that in there. All right. Next, we have Stephanie's conversation with Ryan McKean and his partners. Hey, I'm Ryan McKean. I'm a coach at Lawyerist and co-founder and CEO of Connecticut Trial Firm. My name is Megan Freed. I am the co-founder and co-partner in Freed Marcroft, LLC. We are a divorce and family law firm in Connecticut. And I'm Kristen Marcroft, the other co-founder of Freed Marcroft. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for all being with me today. And the reason we're actually here is because at one point, now you just heard from their introductions, they're at two different firms. But at one point, you guys were all business partners and you all had a firm together, right? We did. So maybe Ryan, to kick us off, tell us a little bit about that. How did you guys decide to start a firm together? What was that like? It was an act of courage, really. Megan and Kristen are bold people who live life fully. And I think I was drawn to that. And I was like, you know, I think I want to start a law firm. I I think I don't want to be an associate anymore. I want to go out on my own. And I'm like, who would be good to bring along in this adventure to go with? And I thought of Megan, which is sort of an unusual thought because Megan was in-house for an insurance company at the time. And Kristen was in law school and I'd met Kristen once. And we started talking and we decided to go for it. He just said, hey, let's start a business together. And Megan, you're like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that we always like to make sure we give Ryan credit for this. We have ultimately 
wound up with two really successful law firms, Ryan and ours. And had Ryan not said, let's get together and start a firm, I have to tell you, I I just don't see that it would have happened at all. I was complete, as one says, with my um, coverage career as internal counsel, but I think I would have gone to work for a firm that someone else owned. Among other things, Ryan's bravery in setting out on his own what he understood about small firm practice definitely was far exceeded either of ours. For example, I had been in very large firms prior and and I really just didn't, I didn't even know the basics, like where does one get, you know, professional liability coverage. But also Ryan had a lot of confidence around court and state court practice that neither Kristen nor I had. So like, but for Ryan, there's just no way. Yeah. And so I hear you guys saying you were both attracted to the personalities is what I'm hearing. You know, Ryan, you're you're super complimentary of one another. And it was more like, hey, this might be a good person to do this with. Is that is that fair, Ryan? That's right. And and you know, for Megan and Kristen as well, like I never would have done this without them. Like, and that was a great gift to me that they were willing to do this. I think gave me the confidence to take the final steps. Cause I think every associate at one point or another thinks like, maybe I should go out on my own or maybe I should try this. And I wouldn't have had the courage to do it without them. And I'm just really grateful for that. Yeah. So, you know, we've already previewed in your introductions, you are no longer together <laughs> at some point. <laughs> at some point there was a breakup. <laughs> yeah. Like we got to get into it at some point yeah. it didn't work, but you did start a firm together. And how long, how long were you guys together with the firm? We're all doing math. That's right. what's happening. Was it like a, it was like a year. Yeah. yeah no, it was like year. one year. It was a year. It was yeah. a year. It was like July to July. That part failed quickly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but, and, and I don't, and I say that in a good way. I think, this conversation is I made better for that. I think in, in particular that there's been so much time um, now that has passed between then and now. Um, this is Kristen, by the way. And I'll just add, I'll just add my two cents on the, the partnership that or the forming the firm in the beginning. Um, for me, I was, as Ryan mentioned, in law school at the time, but I went to law school a little bit later. So I graduated from law school when I was 40. So for me, the prospect of starting a firm with Megan and with Ryan was, was magnificent because from my perspective, I was going to be a 40-year-old newly graduated law school person who still didn't still had not passed the bar exam, nor been admitted to the bar. Frankly, I have a bit of a checkered past that made me not certain I was going to be admitted to the bar. So I didn't feel like my, you know, my employment prospects were particularly promising. So I had kind of gotten to a place where I was happy to have been able to go to law school that, you know, at that point in my life, I had spent 20 years waitressing with an undergrad. And if, if the law thing didn't work out and I went back to restaurants with a JD, I was kind of okay with that. But the opportunity to do something bigger and more exciting and actually maybe get to use the degree that I just earned was just tremendous. And I echo Megan's sentiment that, but for Ryan, that opportunity for me would not have presented itself because it's not something I was going to get to on my own. Yeah. But let's dig into the, some of the, you know, we got to hit the ugly stuff. Like, yeah, I mean, what happened 
that you guys decided, you know, after a year, you were going to go in different directions. Megan, you want to cover that one? Sure. I'll, I, you know, I have to say that, Stephanie, some, so much of this is like in retrospect, I can't tell you what I would have said five years ago or, right. or, or certainly like, you know, a longer. But if you boil it down, the firm that Ryan built is a personal injury litigation house. And the firm that we built is a traditional divorce and family law boutique. And so much of the reason that Ryan's firm is successful and our firm is successful is that we are heavily niched in to those particular practice areas. And I think that if I could go back I don't really want to change anything because I like how everything came out. But if I could go back and give advice to someone else, I think that we actually needed to have a deeper conversation about practice or area, which seems so simple, but so much of that impacts culture and, and, and the bigger things in the firm, how, how, um, how you take on expenses, where the firm invests, where it doesn't invest. And I think that if we had realized that we wanted to be a divorce and family law firm and Ryan had fully realized he wanted to be a personal injury firm, by the way, he was further along than we were, then we probably would have done a better job of structuring ourselves for a longer term Mm -hmm. relationship. Yeah. I mean, those are two completely different business models. I mean, a contingency practice. And and so, yeah, I mean, mean, those were going to be some of my questions. Like it was pretty obvious. To me, just listening to the startup story, it was like, oh, wait, did you guys, you were attracted to your personalities and your love of one another and respect for one another. But it sounds like some of those basic business conversations maybe were a little bit missing, which is no, no judgment. It's just learning, right? Yeah, I think that's a really important point to make. I would go further than that. I think, again, with the benefit of hindsight, I think there were just a lot of conversations that we didn't have because we didn't know any better. So we had all the, we had all the exciting ones, like what colors should we use? And and we talked about, you know, branding. We talked about words that, that resonated with us when we were talking about marketing and that sort of thing. There are a lot of conversations I know now that are important to have. There are also pieces that are important in a business, like, Oh, I don't know a business plan. There are things that I think just owing to our immaturity as you know, early entrepreneurs, there are conversations that we just didn't know to have and failed to have, you know, and they showed up very quickly in ways that we weren't, that we weren't on the same page as things. And we didn't know because we'd never talked about it. And I think one of them, for me, from my perspective, I think in hindsight, and and, and Ryan, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but just knowing, knowing you now and, and what's happening in your firm and, and, and where it's been and, and for sure where it's going, I would say for myself that I think maybe I could have been a little bit more risk adverse. And again, I'm guessing Ryan might say he would would be a little bit less risk adverse. But we didn't have those conversations about appetite for risk, whether financially or just any of those, just really like the hard conversations that in order to like really grow business, partnership, not a partnership, the conversations that have to happen so that when not just the rubber meets the road, when things get hard, 
that you can make decisions together. Like, what do we do to get out of this hole where we're in, that we're in? What do we do? How do we grow? Do we, do we spend more or spend less? Things like that. Like, there are hard conversations about expectations and, and, you know, just real things that I think we've all spent so much time screwing up more along the way, probably, and learning from that, that we just didn't have back then. We didn't know to have them. I agree, Stephanie, with all, all that's been said. And there was so much less information in this space on yeah. how to do this. There was so much less information on like business plans and vision and systems and, right. and structure and all of these sorts of things. And what we had was, I mean, I still have my shirt from this. Like we had, we had an attitude of wanting to be pirates, right? And so pirating is like, it's fun. You're like, hey, we're going to go out, we're going to hunt, we're going to get this thing. But there needed to be a transition from that. And it's something that we failed to make. And I think to Kristen's point, like had we been able to sort these things out sooner, we would have realized that it was it was incompatible. And also, I mean, I think the other thing here is like we wanted to be different and we did so much right. And we did so much different that other firms don't do or other firms are yep. now doing is now common practice. I mean, really, in fact, like even my, my tech stack at my firm is pretty much the same as it was 10 years ago when we did ours. this. Yeah. We, were, we were paperless. We yep. were paperless. We were digital at a time that that was even early for that. But we weren't able to transition to, to it. And, and, you know, part of it is too, like we were just like, let's do this. We didn't have very much money. Like I think <laughs> our, initial capital, our, initial, our initial capital contributions were like, $2,500 a piece. Right. And then we, we borrowed money on Kristen's card for like furniture. I mean, like, and, and we just never, we never really had money. Like, and, and at the time, $5,000 seemed like a lot of money. And now it is knowing what I know, it is zero money. It is negative money. I mean, I really And that, that was the thing. There's a lot of Freed McKean yeah. in the DNA of Freed Marcroft. Yeah. And I would suspect there's also a lot of Freed McKean in the DNA of Connecticut trial firm. I think that the initial things that we were good at, the particular skill sets that we are attracted to each in each other and that we brought to bear in Freed McKean really shone and they really endured. But it really is a lesson of not knowing what you didn't know. Right? Yeah. I'm smiling and nodding so much through all of this because, and I'm so appreciative that you guys came on to have this conversation with me because the reality is this is what we see every day. Like your story is not unique, right? Like people, I see lawyers and they're drawn to each other's personality or they think, well, I like this lawyer. I respect them as a lawyer. They do good work. So let me go into business with them. And what I hear you guys saying and what I always like tried to coach is, that's not enough. Like, are you guys aligned as business owners? What is this business you're going to create? How are you going to create it? Who's going to be responsible for what? And what are the values? And how are you going to make the hard money decisions? Because money makes everything hard. <laughs> and it's so easy to just say, well, I like, I like this person. They're a good lawyer. Let's go start a practice together. And unfortunately, a lot of times it doesn't work out. Yeah. And I yeah. think one of the things that I consider us really lucky about is Connecticut is a relatively small state, and I really feel grateful that we aren't ultimately competitors, 
because I think that that has really, I don't think there was any distraction of that when the Mm -hmm. two firms split, if that makes sense. We were able to go take what we learned and create our own things without any distraction of feeling a certain way about how the other person was doing. I I truly, when I say I truly always wish Ryan success, it's, it is absolutely true, but it also was easier because we weren't like trying to be on opposite sides of a divorce that other people's divorce, not our. (laughs) I think at the end of the day, and it's 10 years later, not since we parted, but since we started Freed McKean. And I think while our firms are very different in terms of practice area, I mean, like fundamentally very, very different because the practice areas are so different. I think if you got down to brass tacks about culture and core values, and I also would go so far as to say, if you were to ask, I I believe if you were to ask our teams to describe us and, and our, and, and, the, and what we have built and, and what's important to us and, and our vision, I'm guessing there would be a tremendous amount of overlap and alignment in that regard. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's take a quick break. We got to hear from our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to dig a little bit more into the breakup and how you guys got to the place you are now, because I think that's helpful. The Lawyerist Podcast is brought to you by Posh Virtual Receptionists. As an attorney, do you ever wish you could clone yourself? You could take a call while you're in court, capture a lead during a meeting, or schedule an appointment with a client while you're elbow deep in an important case? Since you can't be in two places at once, let Posh answer. Posh is a team of professional, U.S.-based live virtual receptionists who are available 24-7, 365 to answer and transfer your calls so you never miss an opportunity. With Posh handling your calls, you can devote more time to billable hours and building your law firm. The Posh app puts you in total control of when your Posh receptionist steps in. So if you can't answer, Posh can. And if you've got it, Posh is always just a tap away. With Posh, you can save as much as 40% off your current service provider's rates. Even better, Posh is extending a special offer to Lawyerist listeners. Visit posh.com forward slash Lawyerist to learn more and start your free trial of Posh Live Virtual Receptionist Service. That's posh.com forward slash Lawyerist. And by Albatross Legal Workspaces. When running any business, including a law practice, there are critically important operations that are often overlooked and ignored by lawyers. Top on that list is data security, ransomware protection, data leaks, and data backups. Those tasks can seem unimportant and time-consuming or an added cost. And even with IT teams involved, they're often misconfigured and mismanaged. Albatross Legal Workspaces is an excellent solution for law firms to streamline those types of operations. Albatross Legal Workspaces was built to be the all-in-one office for law firms. It stores all your applications, files, desktops, and servers in your own private cloud that is accessible from anywhere. No need for expensive desktop or server upgrades or unresponsive IT companies coming to the office. And the mundane yet critical security and backup operations are seamlessly integrated, hassle-free. The service also includes 24-7 IT help desk. Albatross Legal Workspaces covers you from A to Z. To learn more and receive one month of free service, please visit albatross.cloud forward slash lawyerist. That's A-L-B-A-T-R-O-S-S dot cloud forward slash lawyerist. And by Postali. Finding a marketing partner for your firm can be challenging. Are you getting sound advice? 
Is your marketing agency always working in your best interest? You shouldn't have to worry about these things. At Pustali, they believe marketing companies should adopt the same duty to their clients that is required of the legal profession. For this reason, they require that all team members sign a fiduciary oath to act in good faith and put clients' best interests ahead of their own. They service with care, candor, and loyalty. Postali is a full-service digital marketing agency exclusively for lawyers. To learn more about how they're different, visit postali.com forward slash lawyerist. That's P-O-S-T-A-L-I dot com forward slash lawyerist. All right, we're back. And at some point, you guys realized about a year in, this wasn't headed in the right direction. And I think that a lot of people feel that sometimes they have that little bit of a thing going on in their gut. But it can be really hard to like say, <laughs> and to implement and to do. So um, Ryan, what did that look like for you guys? And how did you navigate sort of that hard conversation? You said a year in, we realized, I think it was more like two or three months. It was way sooner than that. Yeah. And then we just kind of like coexisted in various degrees of not talking and trying to talk and <laughs> not talking. And we, you know, and, and, and this is really like a great gift that was given to me. Like I didn't know how to get out. Like I, I didn't know right. how to end it. It was like one morning, like a Saturday morning, like Megan had sent an email and it was like, hey, we need to end this thing. And I was like, I just like, I felt like relief come over me. Like I was sad. Like yeah. I was like, I, I was sad. Like it was definite rejection, yep. but I felt like, okay, I have a way forward. Like, I don't even know what that is, but I'm okay. Like I, I like I can do this. Right. And so that, that was like ending it and having somebody say like, no, we need to end this was, was a gift. Right. I mean, I think back then, you know, again, this is 10 years later. I think at that time, there were a lot of hurt feelings and upset and even anger. But with the benefit of time, you know, we've all grown so much, I think personally and professionally. And, you know, Ryan mentioned there, there, there wasn't as much available then as there is now in terms of, I'll call it coaching. And, and Ryan is a coach now. I think we've all spent a lot of time working on ourselves, both personally and professionally, and gotten to a place to sort of cast our mistakes and, and our successes in sort of a different light than we did then when we were immersed in it. Yeah. And, you know, it's true what Megan says, like, I don't think neither of us were ever anything but wishing Ryan success. And I know Ryan wasn't wishing us anything but success, but we weren't friends after. Well, yeah, that's what I was about to say. Like, it's, no, it took a while. Yeah, it took a long time. And it, it yeah. really took, you know, other than like random sort of text of like, you know, I'd see something or Megan or Kristen would see something and say, congratulations, that yeah. kind of thing. You know, you. Uh, I think a big uh, one, Ryan, remember when you bought your space and Jeff did the work for you who, and the architect that did the work in Ryan's space is actually somebody I grew up with. And so that I was seeing pictures and they were gorgeous. I was just so genuinely happy for you and proud of you both for like owning it and then building it to look like that. Like that's another place where it was like, we were always aligned that way. Like you need a beautiful space. Not like a hoity-toity fancy space, but it's got to have soul. And yeah. I was so genuinely happy and proud. And I had that moment of like, well, I should tell him. And I did. And, you, you know, that could have gone any number of ways. Because the fact of the matter is, like, I'm not proud of a lot of the ways that I behaved 10 years ago. So it would have been perfectly reasonable for Ryan to either have ignored me at that point or told me, you know, where to go with it. But he didn't. He said, thank you. Yeah. 
And you guys kind of didn't talk as much as you do now, like for a while, right? Like it's fair to say there were years, years that went by and maybe there was a few texts here and there, but for the most part, you guys weren't necessarily talking a lot. Yeah, we're closer now for sure. What what happened is a, a, a mutual friend who's now appellate counsel on the case that's going to trial for us, invited all of us to a UConn football game. Yep. And, and he didn't know like the backstory or, or anything. And I saw Megan and Kristen's name on there. And I was like, look, if this is going to be weird, like I won't go. And like, just like go, go and, and, and hang out and, and I won't go. And they said, no, please come. We would love to see you kind of kind of thing. And, you know, or don't, don't not go because of us. And it was something like that. And it meant, it meant a lot. And, and then, no one's going to um, watch the football game because they suck. Right. We have to watch the <laughs> you, Yeah, it's not as- watching the game. <laughs> it's not SEC football. Okay, oh. Stephanie. This is UConn, quote unquote, football. Okay. Um, so I think, and, and I think that that day was just, you know, very important. Yeah. No, I love that. And people have probably heard me. I'm sure I've said this on the show. Like, I, you know. I've been through a divorce and I've been through a business divorce. And I felt like for me, my business divorce was significantly harder and messier and emotionally harder. Like, I don't know, like it was just, it's tough. And so I'm glad you guys have gotten to this amazing place where you are now. My understanding is y'all talk, you send each other business, you're huge fans and, and all the things. But I think the lesson here for our listeners is that don't enter into these relationships lightly, like just like with a spouse, you know, you date. And I think a lot of times business owners don't do do that dating process where you do all the things, Megan, that you were saying, where you ask all those questions. And I tell people like run hypotheticals, like and use money, like what's going to happen if a client doesn't pay us or what's going to happen if this because how would you answer that you need to know before. Yeah, because if you don't get that stuff figured out, it's not going to matter that you picked cool colors for your logo. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> I mean, not that they weren't cool. Not that they weren't cool. <laughs> I'm sure it was beautiful and the pirate theme seems fascinating. I'm sure that mm-hmm. was really fun. But yeah, like, and you got to get personal too. Like, think about where the resentments build. So right. is it okay if I take an afternoon off to play golf or whatever, or go see the kids? And that sounds like such a no brainer question, but that's the stuff where the resentments and, you know, the other piece of advice that I'll just throw into the show is like, you got to include your spouses because I see more spouses break up businesses because if one partner goes home and the spouse is like, well, what'd they do today? You know, like they're like this little thing in your ear and all of a sudden, you know, that gets in the business partner's head. It matters. I have two other things to throw out there as pieces of advice. One is with my divorce hat, right? Yeah. There's a reason we say prenups make good marriages. (laughs) It's like, one of the things I always try to articulate to people is if I'm as successful at selling prenups as I would like to be, uh, our gross revenue would go down. We'd have fewer divorces and the ones that we had would cost, right? It's a loss leader that is good for people. The analogy here is like, we really should have thought about not just a business plan, but an actual like workout strategy in advance. We should have, we should have had a better operating agreement. Mm -hmm. And I now know that it seems so obvious in retrospect, but at the time it, it, it truly wasn't. The other thing that I would add, if I had to do it over again, is that I think that we did a very good job 
of talking a lot and we genuinely like each other. And I think that if we had identified some of the core things, like put them to paper, that we respected in each other, it would have revealed our holes. Yeah. Like for example, the reason our tech stack is still basically the same as the one that got designed for Freed McKean is because Ryan's really good at tech, Yeah. right? <laughs> He's really good at it. And Kristen's really good at design. And that impacted the physical space that we have. It probably influenced some of the things that Ryan kept and decided to not keep in his new space. There are things like that, but what you like about it, each other does reveal the gaps. One of the things that gives me great joy when I refer to Ryan is that I know he cares about communicating with clients. And that is really hard to find in contingency-based firms, right? A weak point can be like, I'm not billing hourly, so I might not get a response. It's easy to sort of lose people in the shuffle or respond, you know, when it's more essential rather than when it's really just client focused. And I know that when we send Ryan a client, he's going to take care of them in this phenomenal way in which we are so aligned. And so the good parts, the things that we shared, the strengths of Ryan's that I admire live on in his firm. And also he gets to go be good at the things that we weren't good at together. Keep the keepers. Right. Yeah. I love that. Ryan, any kind of other closing thoughts? Yeah. I, I, I really think for anybody who's listening to this and, and going through it, I, I think it's really important to understand the strengths of others and celebrate them and be grateful for what people are bringing to the firm and to the table and understand and accept that that can be true. And it can also be true that it's not working and you're not on the right path. And it is okay to go out on a new path. It is okay. And maybe 10 years later, you know, you'll look at it and you'll say, and yeah, there are so many things that, you know, I've taken from Megan and Kristen as well. I mean, we, you know, I always hear Kristen's voice where it's like, we're trying to sponsor something. And I'm like, no, I only want to do it if I can be the naming sponsor. <laughs> like, And that is that is a definite Kristen thing. And, and, and yes, her office, like she- No one's going to look at would, that page in the pamphlet. <laughs> <laughs> so there is definitely so much good that can come of it. Celebrate what that is. And I, I don't know, ultimately, I think that the universe puts you on your path. And it's like, lean into that and, and go, go forward. And, you know, if you're having trouble trying to figure out like, Hey, it's not working. I don't know how to get out of it. Like have that conversation with somebody, whether it's a coach or a lawyer or a therapist or a business partner and say like, I don't know how to end this Hmm. because that's okay too. Yep. I, I think that's a really important piece because as much courage as it took for us to all start this thing together, in my opinion, it took exponentially more to leave it. And I I think there's just a really important lesson here because once you figure out that you can leave, then it's permission to start. I mean, at the end of the day, this is, it ended in a breakup and, and just like some breakups, you wind up being friends after and some you don't, some, it takes a bunch of time. And, you know, in this case, it took some time and now, and, and we're friends because we remember the things that brought us together in the first place, which was like a genuine like and respect. But as I look back, I know that I'm where we are now needed us to be where we were then. Like, you know, we needed to go through the things that we went through and learn the lessons that we learned and made, make the mistakes that we made in order to wind up where we are now. And, and I think 
that we would all agree that where we are now is awesome. One post breakup lesson that I would like to share for people thinking about this is that one mistake we made after the breakup that we've only sort of recently figured out, oh, wait, that's what that was, is that you do tend to overdo people that you are a fit with. And what that means is some skill sets can let can get left out mm-hmm. in the new firm you build, right? So for example, Kristen and I share overlapping, some overlapping strengths. And for a period of time, we forgot that we needed to hire people to counteract us, right? <laughs> to balance us out. So I think that's something to think of. Really think about making sure that you onboard people that are a cultural fit, but that also are good at things that you're not naturally or by virtue of being a student good at. The other thing I would say is like, look, the thing is ending anyway, right? The relationship is ending. The marriage is ending. The business is ending. It's ending. It's all when you acknowledge it right? We were going to drive Reed McKean into the ground. That was happening. We didn't. We exited and we pulled up our respective noses so that we could launch what were much more successful models and have proven. But it was going exactly where it was going. And I think there's something freeing about that concept that just because you don't name it, doesn't mean it's not happening. And you're set up for success sooner afterwards if you grab the bull by the horns. Yeah. I think that's a great way to end that and the idea that you guys are truly grateful for the experience that you had and the lessons you learned from it. I think that's a beautiful story and lots of lessons. And yeah, you're right where you're supposed to be. And that's how you got there. But maybe this story will help somebody else take a different path that might be a little easier. Or take a path. Right. (laughs) The Lawyerist Podcast is edited by Brittany Felix. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discuss here into your practice? Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, if you haven't read the Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at Lawyerist.com forward slash book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to lawyerist.com forward slash community forward slash lab to schedule a 10 minute call with our team to learn more. The views expressed by the participants are their own and are not endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you. Mm